Welcome to another edition of the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. Ethan Greenberg, Eric Allen here in the BetMGM studio. Jets are 0-4 after the first quarter of the season, and EA and I will basically be taking a dive from a broad level, like a 30,000-foot view as to where the Jets can go, what went wrong, what they can correct, kind of analyzing like a State of the Union in a way. And then Bart Scott joins us later in the podcast for the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife player of the game as the Jets take on the Cardinals in Week 5. Bart Scott has a doctorate in football. The way he breaks down the X's and O's, it's going to be a must-listen and a must-watch for people who take in the official Jets podcast throughout the year. So you want a game preview, he's going to break it down like very few can. And also, we're going to get Anthony back involved in the segment throughout the 2020 season. So I think fans are really going to appreciate it. I don't want to give away too much, but when Bart Scott starts dissecting how to defend someone like Kyler Murray and how to game plan against him, you really get an appreciation for strategy and really the intricacies of football that maybe you don't necessarily get just watching the game. Well, th- that's the thing that's overlooked with Bart Scott. A lot of people thought, hey, he's got a big mouth. He runs hot all the time. <laughs> and with that being said, he did have a temper, and he, and he played hard, and he went 100%. I think that overshadowed what a cerebral mm-hmm. assassin that guy was because on Sundays or Mondays or Thursdays, whenever you were playing, he knew exactly how an opponent was trying to attack him. He also was a wonderful team player. He's a guy who would take on the guard and free up the space for a linebacker to make a tackle. And he was always ready to suit suit it up. But he was a guy who just – Loved being in the classroom, and it came easy to him, too. And he was an extension of the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. So I think fans, again, uh, they, people who are in New York, they get a chance to listen to him every day. But I think this is a little bit of a different segment that we're offering here. And Bart Scott, to your point, he basically just plays chess. You know, he's a chess player in terms of his knowledge on the football field. But let's talk about where this Jets team is now and where they can go. They're 0-4, like I said, after the first quarter of the season. Questions are surround Sam Darnold, whether or not he can go. He's got the shoulder sprain, so we'll see if he can play Sunday against the Cardinals. We're recording this Monday evening. Mm. But what do you make of the first four games and really that Denver game we haven't discussed a whole lot? Jets had a good opportunities and penalties more than more likely than not negated. Really a very good opportunity for the Jets to capitalize on. And now when you look at the next four games, they have some tough matchups ahead a disappointing start to the season everybody in this building is going to say the same thing and uh, nobody is using injuries as an excuse a lot of teams dealing with uh, major injuries and uh, hopefully Sam Darnold can make his fifth consecutive start here Sunday against the Arizona Cardinals if he doesn't then it's Joe Flacco and this is exactly why the Jets brought in Joe Flacco because we talked about it throughout the offseason the Jets are 0-6 in games Sam Darnold has not started here early in his career. I thought even though it was a loss, it was a loss to a team that was led by an undrafted quarterback in Brett Rippon making his first NFL start. There were some good things out there. Um, You talk about the takeaways. You score a defensive touchdown. You scored your highest output 
throughout the year, but you didn't do enough things to win. And the team, Adam Gase said it before week four, we have to get over the hump. Well, the Jets climbed up the hill a little bit, but then they got knocked down. You can't have 11 penalties. This team right now, the way it's currently constituted, any team, much uh, any team for that matter in the NFL, if you have 11 penalties for 118 yards, you're probably going to lose. What is an interesting dynamic with that game was you go plus three, you score a defensive touchdown, right. you don't turn the football over, and you still lose. Offensively, you're moving the ball a lot lately, Against Indianapolis and against San Francisco, it was in the first half. Well, you saw the Jets move the ball throughout the game for 60 minutes against the Broncos, but they got to get better in the red zone. If they continue not to execute and finish with touchdowns, they're going to continue to go home with losses. Right. I think, I think the Denver Broncos game, you saw bits and pieces keep improving, like chipping away at the mountain and climbing the mountain, to use your analogy, but you couldn't get over the hump because – when the Jets needed to put the ball in the end zone, they settled for field goals. Sam, Sam Ficken went five for five on a positive note. Yeah. But you start off hot with Sam Darnold and his touchdown run, which was awesome. And then as the Jets kept storming down the field, slowly but surely they kept settling for field goals. And then the penalties come there, come into play. And really what I think is not mind-boggling, but something that really hurts the Jets in terms of the penalties the Broncos had five scoring drives, not touchdown scoring drives, but they had five scoring drives. One of them was the Melvin Gordon run at the end of the game yep. to, to put, put the it nail away. in the coffin. Yeah. Yeah. The other four were extended because of Jets' penalties. So you think about roughing the passer, face mask. Like those are the types of penalties that put the Broncos from deep in their own territory and potentially having the Jets get the ball back with decent field position into then having the Broncos put up six. You just can't have them, um, you know, and there was a time late in that fourth quarter where the Jets had scored 12 unanswered points and they had a lead. And then Quinn and Williams, who played well against the Broncos with that interior pass rush, he got his hands on ripping, but unfortunately he got the face mask penalty and that kept a drive alive. And it felt like, when the defense had opportunities to get off the field, the self-inflicted wounds mm-hmm. kept on appearing. And again, the Jets have to be more of a disciplined football team in the second quarter of play. They have to play better complementary football, and they have to finish. I know we keep harping on the Broncos game, not only because it was the most recent, but also because you kind of got a glimpse of the different problems the Jets had had in different weeks before. Like one week it was penalties, then it was not putting the ball in the end zone. Mm-hmm. So before we hear from Bart Scott, EA, where do the Jets go from here to ensure that they don't make the same mistake over and over again in this next quarter of play? Well, you got to find what works inside the 20. you got to go back in the lab. And the mini buy that was good for this team right now at 0-4 because even opportunity to do a self-scout and say, okay, well, maybe these things would work better for us. The other thing is the Jets are getting a little bit healthier. Let's see how healthy they possibly will be later in the week. We're thinking about names like Le'Veon Bell, Bashad Perryman, Denzel right. Mims offensively. Uh, Blake Cashman on the defensive side of the ball, and there's some other names out there. You're hoping that offensive line is intact and everybody's ready to go. And Darnold, of course, you really want Darnold to play. But when you look ahead to week five, 
you're playing an opponent that's two and two, and I know they were kind of a chic pick in the NFC, but the Cardinals have not looked good the last two weeks. They struggled at home against the Detroit Lions, lost that game, and then they weren't really in the ball game against Carolina. The Panthers had their way with them, and it is a talented club, but they're trying to find their way too, and you have the advantage of a team coming east again for that early start, so we'll ha- we'll see what the Jets have in store for them, but I think the extra prep should help the Jets, and the extra days should help some of these guys on the men. And speaking of the Arizona Cardinals, now let's hear from Bart Scott, and let's head to our Victorinox Swiss Army Knife Player of the Game segment. Now it's time for our Victorinox Swiss Army Knife Player of the Game. Bart, I'm going to come to you first. Basically, you can choose a player or a matchup that is critical to the Jets' success on the field against the Arizona Cardinals? Hmm. For that, I would probably say Marcus May because I expect him to be, to be close to the line of scrimmage. He's going to have to be the spy against Kyler Murray and his shenanigans in space. And you want somebody that's quick as well that can kind of match his movements and listen, this young man can embarrass you, but if I got to say anybody on a Jets defense that can stay with him stride for stride and still be strong enough stout against Kenyon Drake in the in the box, I want to go with my man, man, Marcus May. Hey, I like the spy right there, and that was an area I thought of going that direction, but I'm going to go with whoever's covering DeAndre Hopkins because the Jets Ooh. have to double him, Bart Scott. You have to double him and say, have somebody else beat us because Hopkins is by far Kyler Murray's number one receiver. And it seems like he's been a little bit lost when he hasn't been able to get the ball to his top target. And DeAndre Hopkins leads the NFL 39 receptions, but I'm actually going to go with the Jets offense. I'm going with the offensive line, whether Mekhi Becton is healthy playing on that left side and George Fan on the right or whoever plays if one of those two guys are down, I want to go with an offensive lineman against Chandler Jones because I think Chandler Jones, rather quiet start to the 2020 season. Guy had 19 sacks last season. He's only had less than double-digit sacks twice in his career, and that was two years of his first three professional seasons. And, Bart, I'm just curious, what's your take on Chandler Jones? It doesn't feel like he gets a whole lot of national love, but when you look at the numbers, it feels like he should be – his name should be said in the same breath as the elite pass rushers in this league. Wait, when you talk about the elite pass rushers, you're talking about Khalil Mack, you're talking about Von Miller. He's right there with every single one of them. But the problem is, you know, Arizona Cardinals are out there on the West Coast since the West Coast bias. They, their games aren't really seen because they have not been a good football team for the last couple of years. But his numbers and his productivity is there. And, you know, you look at them now, it seems like they have their quarterback of the future, they have their coach of the future, and now they're moving forward. You know, they made a big move for, you know, for Hopkins. And you look at what they did drafting Isaiah Simmons. Now they're they're stout on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, they still have the greatest, one of the top five receivers in the history of the game. Yep. And Larry Fitzgerald, who probably only has um, 12 or 13 drops in his career. So when you think about this Arizona receiving core, you think about sure-handedness, that if it's thrown up their 50-50 ball, that those guys are going to come down with it. That's why it's imperative that they make sure that they keep DeAndre Hawkins out of his rhythm. And somebody's going to get the hard one-on-one with the other elite wide receivers that they have. The Cardinals had a lot of leaks in their defense against the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers and Teddy Bridgewater moved the ball at Will Bart. Mm-hmm. 
We go back to the other side of the ball. You mentioned Larry Fitzgerald. Why are the Cardinals right now struggling to get the ball vertically? It seemed like everything against Carolina was horizontal. Well, you got to think. You talk about DeAndre Hopkins, and one of the knocks on DeAndre, if it is any, is the fact that he's not really a, a deep threat. You think about Andre Johnson, all the great you know, receivers that were sure-handed and tough and won those 50-50 balls. He's not one that takes a stop off the defense because he doesn't have great long speed. So he's not like you know, Tariq Hill. He's not like Hollywood Brown. He's not like Deshaun Jackson. He's not like one of these vertical guys. What he is is a guy that gets those in-between 15 to 17 yard routes, you know, where they're the bang gates, more of the plexical birds, you know, death by a thousand paper cuts. What he does is he keeps the chains moving and he can get explosives, but explosives for him are 20 yards or more. He's not a guy that's going to take a slant and take it to the house like an Odell Beckham. You know, so with that being said, they want to try and get the ball in his hands and try and let him do the work opposed to trying to go vertically. Bart, let's wrap up with this. Talked about DeAndre Hopkins and Chandler Jones. I just got warmed up. I'm sorry. Next time we'll have you on for longer. But in terms of your matchup, Marcus May against Kyler Murray, maybe this question extends more to Marcus May, but how do the Jets' defense approach stopping someone like Kyler Murray who's very elusive and he's not only fast, but he's really quick as well? And he's very, very, very short, meaning that he can't <laughs> see over the defense. So what you do is what we used to always do with Michael Vick is you distort his vision because you know he can't see over the top, so he has to see through lanes. So what you do is you run you know, what we call time games with the two tackles crossing, or you t- run U games where you run the end up and you bring the outside linebacker underneath into the A-gap. And what he sees is he sees color in every hole. So what he would have to do is to make – he would have to move so he can see. That slows him down from being able to decipher what the defense is. He can't see the rotation of the safeties. And you put him on a move and you give him an exposed edge, and that's the edge in which you put Marcus May. And Marcus May is going to have to be a high percentage tackler in space because we're going to flush him to Marcus May. So you do that by running all these games because he can't see over the defense. And that's something that we learned from Michael Vick and, and actually – the person who gave Rex that idea was Randall Cunningham, who could see over the defense, but he said that he needed the same lanes that he ran through, the same ones that he threw through. So what you do is you close all the initial um, lanes to throw through to make him have to buy time and make these off-schedule plays to move to his left or his right so that he can see. If you indeed spy Kyler Murray with Marcus May and Ashton Davis is healthy, two ifs, Yep. Would you employ a lot of three safety looks against the Cardinals? Uh, EA, you've been spoiled a little bit because you're used um, to the Spartan package, right? <laughs> With Eric Smith, you know, it was an honor Eric Smith to get one of our better playmakers in space out there, but a guy still that was also tough enough that if somebody, if a running back came through there, that he would bless him as well. Mm. So I, you absolutely want to do that because really, essentially, what you do is when you have one on one side, then if if, if Kyler goes to the opposite side now. He can't. He had to walk through a lot of trash. What we used to do, and I hate saying we, but uh, what we used to do on some of the defense that I had, and I remember coming out as this very special player. His name was Reggie Bush. And what they would do is they would run a read screen with him. They would take the tight end and they would stand in your way, and then they would swing him. So then it's a pick play, and then now you got to try and get over the top to try and tackle Reggie Bush in space as you're chasing him. So what we did is we took our two safeties, wherever side that he decided to go to that safety inserted, right? So like if you got two safeties 
if he comes here, this guy inserts. If they come here, this guy inserts. And this guy becomes a free hole player. So if you take two guys, you, you have both sides. Now you have him cornered on both sides. Whichever side he decides to escape, that's the guy who has the, the action. The other guy replaces in the hole and looks for anybody coming on those horizontal rocks so that maybe Collar doesn't see him on the other side. And that's how you steal some um, – some interceptions, but that's just me. But I'm not the defense coordinator. I just fold the top. Well, you sound like one. Yeah, I was going to say, Bart Scott giving a glimpse <laughs> into how defenses create a game plan and how they execute on Sundays. Bart, that was our Victorinox Swiss Army knife player of the game. Thanks a lot. We'll see you soon. Swiss Army knife. I could be that. <laughs> EA, like we talked about earlier, Bart Scott dissecting and basically giving a game plan to how to stop Kyler Murray. It's very interesting to hear him talk about it, but I want to circle back to something you mentioned, the guys on IR, the guys who are eligible to come mm-hmm. off, like Le'Veon Bell, like Denzel Mims, like Vincent Smith, Patrick mm-hmm. Owasso, even somebody that we haven't heard a lick about since training camp started, that's Jabari Zuniga. Yeah. And this receiving core in particular, with the addition of Mims and Vincent Smith and recently Jeff Smith coming back, and then also the offense as a whole with Le'Veon, really what stands out to me is the speed that's currently on IR that could come back and help this offense, particularly Sam Darnold. Well, it's a good point about the speed because Sean Jefferson talked about it in training camp when we had the opportunity to speak to him, and Heinz Ward mentioned it too. One thing that jumped out to those guys was the speed of this group, and people might be – you know, a little bit skeptical when we're talking about this. But Vincent Smith is a sub-4-4 guy. Brashad Perryman is a sub-4-4 guy. Denzel Mims is a sub-4-4 guy. Jeff Smith, I don't know if he's sub-4-4, <laughs> but he's at least 4-4. Yeah, he's fast. And he had seven catches for 81 yards, and the Jets were really high on him. So uh, if you have the opportunity to get some of these guys back, I think – possibly that will open some things up in the middle of the field in the short and intermediate routes as you continue to attack vertically and some of these guys can get down the field unfortunately listen Denzel Mims talking about fighting an uphill battle guy did not have any training camp practices so I don't know what to expect from him I know the Jets really like what he possibly can bring to the table because Sam Darnold talks about his explosion in and out of routes, and he's a big guy. And we saw Perryman flourish down the stretch last year with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Vincent Smith, you mentioned him before. He can not only help you offensively, but maybe on special teams. So we would all love to see what this offense looks like with most of those guys back. Yeah, I think similar to Mims, You don't really know what to expect. I'm kind of feeling the same thing towards Vincent Smith because he came to the Jets last season, had a few splash plays, and you saw the speed on kick return. You saw the speed on the end around. And this was supposed to be a training camp where I would have assumed he would have received a lot of first-team reps. Those reps then went to the other Smith, the Jeff Smith, because Vincent Smith got hurt. So I'm interested to see what Vincent can bring to this Jets offense with potentially more of an increased role. But – Speaking about Jeff Smith, EA, I was really impressed that Jeff Smith, with really no regular season practice, was able to get called up from IR, have 81 yards on seven receptions, and I thought that they weren't just, like, gimme plays. You know, he wasn't, like, running wide open over the the middle of the field. There were some plays where he came back and snatched the ball out of the air, and Sam Darnold 
went to him quite frequently, I thought. I thought somebody that I, I don't know if there was a chemistry there beforehand. Now, Darnold, what, he finished with six carries for 84 yards. Yeah. He just three third down conversions in the opening drive. You mentioned before that was the longest run by a quarterback in Jets history, in franchise history, if you go back to 1960 when the Jets were the Titans. I actually thought Darnold at times did a very good job in the pocket and getting out of the pocket. And his most impressive throw and one of the most, I'm going to say, one of his most impressive throws throughout his three-year career was that sideline toss when he got out on the right-hand side mm -hmm. and threw it about 25 yards down the field to Jeff Smith. But to your point about Smith, he doesn't look like somebody who was a former college quarterback. He looks like a smooth guy mm -hmm. in and out of routes, and he looks like a player that you're excited to see what his next steps are here in the second quarter of the season for the Jets. Jamison Crowder, he's played two games. He's won over 100 yards in each <laughs> of the two games. So, I mean, we're talking about all these other receivers. Well, Crowder back, and, and you saw the difference. And now what's going to happen not only offensively but defensively because the Jets got to find a way not only to take the football away but – uh, be more disciplined, and this Kyler Murray, he's an intriguing player, Greens, he really is, and yep. Bart broke it down very well. DeAndre Hopkins, number one receiver there. Everybody else under the Cardinals, if you look at their numbers, nobody's got big stats. They haven't been able to really go up top. So can the Jets keep everything in front of them, get off the field on third down, and give themselves a chance to win? I think what you said earlier really resonates with me. The Cardinals – Chic pick, have a lot of talent when you look at their roster on paper. When you think about Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, on the defensive side of the ball, you think about guys like Patrick Peterson, Chandler Jones. They draft Isaiah Simmons in the top 10. And so far, they haven't You know, Simmons together. played like 12 snaps against the Panthers. Yeah, he, he's had five tackles so far this season. I thought that was, that's been – that was one of the numbers where – I had to make sure. You had a double check, yeah. And then they have Buda Baker back there at the safety position, mm -hmm. one of the better safeties in the league. But they're kind of finding their way. So, yeah, don't let the records deceive you here. The Jets are certainly struggling at all in four, but the Cardinals are struggling too. I mean, a two game yeah. losing streak right now, and they weren't in that game against Carolina. I think the Jets offensively, I know we said that the players are on the men, a lot of, a lot of these hurt guys, yep. but their best football is yet to come, at least in my opinion. When you think about all these guys that were hurt, not being able to play at full strength, not being able to cook on all cylinders, and then you add Le'Veon Bell back. I mean, Le'Veon Bell at the beginning of the year said that his best football was to be this season, and he had a half of it, or you know, a little more than half mm -hmm. of it. And I think that a lot of fans me included, I want to see what Le'Veon can bring after basically touting himself as this is going to be his best season to come. Yeah, the Jets have to run it better. Uh, you know, we talk about what Sam Darnold did on the ground, but they really didn't have a sustained rush attack elsewhere. Interesting move to start the week here. Well, they mm -hmm. made, made a running back move over the weekend, and then they just released Kalen Balaj. So Michael Piran in the mix as well. If Le'Veon Bell came back, I think 
that possibly could give this team a real shot in the arm. And then you're hoping the big Becton, Mackay Becton, is healthy for this week because there was a rotating door at the tackle position on Thursday night. You had Chuma Doga go out, and Becton comes in, and Becton goes out, and McDervin's playing left tackle. And then you got Fan over back. He's back in the lineup at right tackle, but he has to go out. Right. And you got Josh Andrews playing right tackle. I, had, I I think I texted you during the game. I'm like, who's playing right tackle yeah. right now? Yeah, it, it was definitely a revolving door. And last season, the Jets had a revolving door across all five spots. This was the first time, Thursday night being the first time that we really saw the offensive linemen have injuries. You know, you never know what can happen on a podcast. And, <laughs> and Mercy came in here. <laughs> and, and, and she's one of the, the great employees we have here at the Jets Complex. And she just literally walked in and, and grabbed the garbage while we're on here live. <laughs> yeah. I, I was thinking there was something wrong with, with the audio or something was wrong with the cameras, but we just had a visitor. And before we wrap up, EA, uh, I do want to talk about one guy. And because I, I said it earlier, we, no one talks about this guy. The door is still open. Yeah, well. The on-air sign is still on. Yeah. We, we but Mercy, she can come in here anytime. So, Jabari Zuniga, third-round pick, two of two, and I, I just don't know what to expect from him, to be honest with you. Because at Florida, he was a high-character guy. He was like a, a player that wasn't afraid to get dirty in the trenches, had very good production, had a good 40-yard dash after a high ankle sprain. Seems like a tough guy. But no one talks about him. I don't know what to expect from him, but I'm intrigued because he's a mystery. Yeah, I'd be excited to see him out there. He's a guy who can help that defensive line rotation. and He plays with a great motor, and we did not see him out there in the summer. So he is a mystery, but the Jets were very high on him, and that's why they took him. So, um, you know, yeah, he's another guy you could add to the list that you're hoping he's back on the field. And then speaking of this rookie class, Ashton Davis dealing with that groin injury, mm -hmm. you're hoping he's part of that rotation and like – the professor said, Bart Scott, Ashton Davis healthy. Maybe you go to a lot of three safety looks against the Arizona Cardinals. And the other guy that no one talks about, and we won't talk about him on this edition of the podcast, but later on is Bryce Hall. Mm. He's on the NFI list, which is essentially the pup list, but the injury had to be sustained before coming to the NFL, which, of course, that was his leg-slash-ankle injury that he sustained last October, probably about a year ago from this date, I would assume. And he's a guy who at Virginia just he found the football. He, you know, he led uh, the NCAA in pass defenses a mm -hmm. couple years ago before sustaining that injury. So Bryce Hall is another future piece that you're looking forward to seeing at some point. But, hey, listen, uh, New York Jets have an opportunity, though, because if I'm in that locker room right now, Hey, the first quarter of the season's done. It's over. We didn't get it done. Now you got to break it up into four quarters. This mm -hmm. is the second quarter. Everything else at this point doesn't matter. Correct the mistakes. Prepare for the Cardinals. Like you mentioned, very interesting schedule because you play Arizona at home. L.A. Chargers on the road. They're 1-3. and three. Their rookie quarterback's been very impressive yep. so far, Justin Herbert. And then... Wow, it's a doozy to end that <laughs> second quarter because you got the Buffalo Bills at home and their offense is prolific. Right. Josh Allen has taken the next step, and then you go to Kansas City. Woo. 
And that's how we end the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. We'll be back each week with the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife Player of the Game. And that's all we have for this edition. We'll see you next week.